The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. A few weeks ago, we brought you here to Frederick to introduce you to my friend Nikki and hear a little bit about her personal story about the struggle we've all been going through over the past year with the COVID shutdown. We want to take you back into her story because we want to hone in on one particular part that was probably the most difficult for her. I'm just here to talk to you guys about the shutdown and I just remember that date so vividly. Um, March 14th was the day my nephew was born. Uh, The world kind of went on lockdown. I wasn't able to see him. Um, And that's when everything really just kind of spiraling, kind of went out of control. I didn't get to see my family. I was kind of shut off from the world, couldn't go back to work, Um, had to start working from home and, and it was just a really difficult time for me. And I think what took over more than anything um, was the worry that I had for my grandmother. My grandmother actually um, contracted COVID-19. So my grandma was over 80 years old. She worked at Kmart and shut down. And she was out hunting for a job for her unemployment. And we didn't really know much about it then, right? It was like scary, but it wasn't quite scary yet. Got admitted that Friday, talked to her Saturday, Sunday. Monday morning, I called her cell phone, no response. My mom um, called me later that day and said that they had to put her on a ventilator and, and, you know, put her under so she wasn't responsive. She wasn't going to answer her phone because she was having trouble breathing. And so my grandma um, was in the hospital for for one week and one day, half a day really, um, before she passed away. She was one of the first deaths in Frederick County um, and she was my best friend. So I don't know what feeling I didn't feel. I was sad, I was really, really angry, and I was really confused um, that something like this could happen in our day and age, and just to my people, my friends, my family, and just that we were going through it as a country. I'm a very emotional person, so I was sad. I remember, like, I I cried every day. Um, Nothing made me feel better at all. I went into an even further depression, my sorrow, my grief, my sadness, like nothing could make me happy. We, at that point, it was like super scary. So we didn't even have a funeral for her. I couldn't see my family. I was by myself for a month after I lost my grandma without any human connection. And um, it was just really, really hard. There's just no way. There's no way out of a terrible or horrible situation. Now, there are certainly situations where it seems like there's no way out. Maybe, maybe you're out doing something adventurous or even a dangerous moment, and in that moment, you felt like there was no way out. But then you pushed through, you pressed on, you worked it out, you cried out for help, and someone bailed you out, and you made a way where it seemed like there was no way, and you got through what felt impossible, and now it's a, it's a story you tell. But then there are real situations where it's not just that you have to push through or you gotta go harder, you gotta cry out for help. There is truly no way. There's no way out of this really bad situation. The pandemic has certainly felt like that. The pandemic, when it started, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve, started to feel like there was no way out. And it didn't just seem like there was no way out. There was no way out. And there's things in our life, moments, months that become years 
where it's not just that it feels like there's no way out. There's no way. A financial crisis, something devastating in your marriage, a horrific diagnosis, a collapse in your family, the economy, a nation. And it's not just that you have to work harder or press on or cry out for help from a friend or a loved one. There's no way out. Certainly death and dying are the most final and the most absolute of all impossible situations. And for a year now, we have been counting. We've been counting every death. February 29th, 2020 was the first reported death from COVID-19. An individual died just outside of Seattle, Washington. And from that death till today, we've been counting. It's been on the news. It's been on every headline. We've been tracking and watching. We've learned about graphs and charts in ways we could have never imagined. We've, we've paid more attention to death during this season than maybe at any other point in any of our lives. Even if you've lost a loved one before, you and I weren't paying that close attention to the death numbers. March 14th, everything began to shut down. The world began to shut down and our lives got turned upside down. On May 27th, 2020, the United States surpassed 100,000 deaths from COVID-19. Jump ahead, September 2nd, 200,000 deaths. December 14th, 300,000. January 19th, 400,000. February 22nd, 500,000. And today, we're approaching 550,000 deaths from the coronavirus. Tragic, horrifying. Here's the thing, every statistic has a story and every number has a name and you know their names. They're your grandmother, it's your friend, it's your loved ones, it's your classmates, it's a peer, it's a colleague and it breaks our heart. And some of you, as this story has unfolded, a story that we will continue to tell, some of you felt like, man, we can't turn our lives upside down because death is a normal part of life. And so your, atti your, your attitude and your approach was, we, we can't just turn everything around and upside down. We've got to live life. And others of you, you said life is worth preserving. And so no matter what it takes, if we all have to wear masks, if we've got to restrict our lives to protect the vulnerable, let's do that. Let's do whatever it takes to preserve life. The challenge is, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It, it's that all of us carry a certain burden, a certain weight. We live as though the goal of life is to survive until we die. <laughs> that we make it our mission to make it safely to death. And so we never really live go through life with this horrible dread and we've locked down our lives. Oh, not because of the pandemic of the coronavirus. It's the pandemic of death and dying that locks us down and turns our world upside down. And what we need, what we need is a miracle. And when the world needed a miracle and when we need a miracle, you know what we got? An earthquake, the author Matthew, who is a friend, a follower of Jesus. Jesus turned his life upside down with an earthquake-like transformation. Matthew was a cheat. He was 
an ancient IRS agent ripping people off to get ahead in his life. And when he met Jesus, it changed everything. And he wrote a book about the life and teachings of Jesus, even about Jesus' death. And he, he records a moment when Jesus dies. It's found in his book, the Gospel of Matthew, and it's included in the Bible. Let me read the passage about Jesus' death. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 through 54. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. In this moment, despair, tragedy, dying, death, shook, shook the globe, shook a country, but physically, an earthquake shook the city of Jerusalem at Jesus' death. Rock-splitting grief. Earth-shattering death. The kind of death that shakes the heart of a home. The kind of death that shakes the, the very core of a city. Death that rocks a nation and a globe. Jesus' death was no ordinary death though. There was something supernatural, something truly spiritual about Jesus dying and his death because he didn't just die a martyr's death and he didn't just die an innocent man. He died the son of God. He, he died and what was happening in the spiritual was reflected in the physical. And for many of us, what's happening in the physical begins to reflect into our spiritual. It hurts us at the core. It hurts us in our soul. It hurts us in our spirit. But what we learn and we discover from the life and the death of Jesus is that God knows. God became intimately familiar, familiar with our struggles, with our pain, with our despair, with our brokenness, with suffering, with disease, with dying with death. And when it was not just, there seemed to be no way, but when there was no way, God allowed an earthquake, an earthquake of grief, an earthquake of dying and death. But in that earthquake, he revealed and became the way, not just a way, the way. You know what the beauty and the message of Easter is for every one of us? that when the world around us says it's impossible and our soul hurts and grieves because there isn't just, doesn't seem like there's a way, but there is no way. Jesus, the way maker, is the way through death to new and resurrection life. Where there seemed to be no way and there was no way, Jesus became the way and he is the way maker through death. Why is it that death, which is so natural, look around in nature, in biology, death is a natural part of the world we live in. It's a natural part of everything about life. 
We've never met somebody who survived all of history. Your pet dies. The things we see around us die. Our loved ones tragically die. Why is it then that what is so natural in nature feels so unnatural? There's something at the core of us that says it's not supposed to be this way. Death feels like a, a foreign enemy invading what should last forever. We, we somehow believe, regardless of what you believe about God or eternity or the afterlife, every one of us at the core have this fundamental belief that death is unnatural. Why? It's as if we believe that there's something wrong in the world when someone dies because they shouldn't die. They should live forever. That's right. Because before you were born, God planted eternity into the heart of every human. You were designed, you were made, you were created to live forever. So why don't we live forever? Well, because the world is not as it should be. The world is broken. How is it broken? It's not broken physically. It's broken spiritually. And what happens in the spiritual is reflected in the physical. Spiritually, the very first man and woman rejected God. They turned their back on God. They cut off relationship with God by disobeying God and turning their back on God's best for them, choosing their own way rather than God's way. It's what Jesus, biblical authors call sin. Sin puts a virus inside of our spirit, a virus that spreads and is contagious and it has a 100% mortality rate, kills everyone. So death is the consequence of sin and no one is spared. And so every one of us, when you were born, you were born with the infection of sin at work in you and it spreads from you to anyone and everyone. And that's why we hurt others and get hurt. Sin is what causes brokenness in the world. And then we would look at the world and say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Death is the end result of this sin, but not just physical death, a forever death. And again, we would say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And it's not the way it was supposed to be. So Jesus made a way through the way it wasn't supposed to be when there was no way. No one goes in the grave and comes out on the other side. So Jesus went in the grave to come out on the other side. He, he took on our worst. Jesus went to the cross to carry the judgment we deserve. He went to the cross to bear our eternal death sentence. He absorbed our shame, our guilt, our sin. And when he died, an earthquake like death shook the spiritual realm because he was forgiving our sins and he was giving us a way through sin. He was giving us the pass through. His death, our way through guilt. His death, our way through sin. His death, our way through shame. His death, the payment for our eternal judgment. But Jesus not only died. Imagine just as the earth began to settle and the death, the, the dust from the first earthquake begins to still. Jesus who willingly died, willingly buried. Jesus who, who steps in to the grave like a prison cell and the door shut hard behind him, locked, closed door 
the grave shut and no one comes out. And just when the dust settles, here's what Matthew writes. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. Are you kidding me? Hey, I want to read that one more time. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Did you catch it? The first earthquake was a shaking in the spiritual that was revealed in the physical. Jesus' death, the earthquake, that freed us from sin. His death, the eternal payment for our eternal judgment. And that earthquake that was happening in the spiritual was manifest in the city of Jerusalem and shook it to the core. Now, Jesus' resurrection brings about another earthquake. This second earthquake is different. It's also what's happening in the spiritual revealed in the physical, but it's an earthquake that changes history. It rewrites everything for everyone because Jesus, the way maker, makes a way through death. For you and I, death is final and it makes life feel futile because there's no way out. But Jesus made a way. Here's Jesus, he, he predicts his own death. And if you predict your own death, you have my attention. Maybe you're a, a, a polit maybe you're somebody who, because of your politics or maybe a secret that you're revealing, you're being attacked. And so you say, I will die and, and I'm gonna die, I'm gonna get killed this way. And so now you have my attention. And if they die that way, I'm gonna pay attention to what they said before they died. Jesus not only predicted his death and then died that way, so now he has our attention, but he predicted his resurrection. Now you not only have my attention, but you have my faith you're the son of God. Here's the key. This earthquake shakes the core of death and dying because it frees every one of us. Jesus made a way through death to forever life. And I want to invite you, would you make that your way through? Would you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I mean, what better time than Easter and this season than to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to say yes to Jesus and receive this new life and this forever life, which is the way through death to true and forever life. You make this commitment by simply believing in Jesus by faith. When you make that commitment, we wanna invite you to let us know. Would you take a moment right now, you're joining us online, you're joining us, you're watching on your TV, you're in one of our services, can I, invite you. Would you make this commitment? And then would you let us know? Simply text 81411 and then text the name Jesus. When you do that, you're going to get a quick prompt to give you information on a next step. Would you fill that out so that we can follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey through faith in Jesus Christ?
You're not just a body, you're a spirit, and your spirit lives in your body. Your body almost is like a shell. And so when you, you go into the grave, it feels so final and so absolute. And it was, there was no way out of the grave. But Jesus went into the grave where the door was closed on a permanent grave. And an earthquake created a tunnel through the tomb and he made a way where there was no way. He made a way through the impossible. He made a way through the grave. He, he opened up the prison doors and he set the captives free. And in his death, graves were opened. And in his resurrection, every grave can be opened. Jesus, before he was put to death, he went to a funeral a funeral of one of his friends. Well, actually, he arrived late. His friend Lazarus had already been buried, and the family came running up to him, broken, grieving. It's recorded by John in, his, in the Gospel of John in the Bible. Jesus said to Lazarus' sister, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is what Jesus says at funerals. This is what Jesus says as he speaks into our grief in the middle of this pandemic. This is what Jesus says to those that are grieving and broken. Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the way, the truth? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Those are the words that Jesus speaks to every grieving family, every broken heart. They're the words he spoke to Nikki. In fact, I want you just to check out a little bit more of her story. God was talking to me, like clear as day talking to me, and I just couldn't get myself to listen. I was so angry and I was so just confused that he was letting it happen and then telling me all these things I need to do. I need you to go to work and I need you to show people that through this season, you're still who you are, you know, and that you can make it. And so I continued to go to work. I just remember waking up one day and and feeling like I was sick of feeling sorry for myself. So I got up and I just decided that that day forward, like I was allowed to be sad and I was allowed to mourn and, and really just grieve for our whole world, not just my grandmother, but that that's not where God wants me to be. That's not where he wants me to stay. And so I started getting active in the word again. I started doing my Bible study again. Um, and I just continued to do that in order to, to move past that hump and, and really just focus on God, which is where he really wanted me. By leaning in on God, um, listening to him, not just praying and then not listening, not just reading and then not taking in the word, like actually taking in the word and, and just hearing the living word and knowing that God is there. He's changed me so much um, in the past year. You could ask anybody around me. Um, I think the biggest thing that God has put on my heart is even though I can't necessarily physically be there with people, that I can still love people and be generous to people and um, show them who I am through Christ, whether or not I'm next to them or not. A spirit that he's given me, he's always given me a spirit to love other people. And I think that people have always seen that. But what I'm hearing now um, is that people see it 
through Christ. So they can see that there's a purpose for me. There's a purpose for me sitting here right now. There's a purpose for me losing my grandmother. There's a purpose that today is the last day that I saw my grandmother. There's a purpose that when we got shut down was when my nephew was born. And all it has done is help me grow closer to him and get closer to my family. So with the shutdown, it seems like things are never gonna change and, and things have been hard and I'm not gonna act like I don't have hardships anymore. But I will say, um, with death comes new life, and I really, really believe that. And um, that's not somewhere I ever thought I would be after losing my grandma and the whole shutdown. Death feels so final and so absolute, but our confidence is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he makes a way through. Not a way out, not avoiding it, but a way through. And because we have confidence that Jesus, the way maker, makes a way through death to new and resurrection life, it changes how we approach death, how we grieve. In fact, another author, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica, and it's also included in the Bible. And so in his first letter, what's called 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep meaning they died, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Paul writes, he goes, we do not grieve as those without hope. We grieve differently. Here's the key. Jesus came through death and became the way to forever life. So we grieve Yes, but we do not grieve as those without hope, which means we grieve with hope. How can we do that? It means we grieve, we're brokenhearted. There's no doubt that when someone dies or when we approach death, it's heartbreaking, it's difficult because there is a, there's a severing of a relationship in this lifetime. But the hope we have is that this is not the end. Life does not end in death. Death ends in forever life. See, the challenge is when we approach death or we, we grieve over someone dying, we believe that's the end of the story. That's how their story ends, but it doesn't. That's how their story and our story begins. So we have hope that this is not the end. I, one of the best metaphors I can give is that imagine a baby in the womb of a mother who is aware who is conscious of what's going on immediately around them. In the womb, it's dark, it's warm, it's safe, they're growing, they're developing. But as birth approaches, fear overtakes them because they can sense that it's coming toward the end of their time in the womb. And birth, now I have no personal experience, but uh, I get the sense that birth is painful and dark and there's a certain amount of unknown. Where are you going? Birth feels like dying. And as the baby emerges from the womb, through the pain, through the darkness, through the unknown, they come into true life as it was always meant to be. They recognize that the, the womb is just a, a development process. And for you and I, our lifespan on earth is the womb. We are here 
to develop, to grow, to become who we were meant to be, to grow into the fullness of God's destiny for our life. And so if you begin to live this life, recognize that Jesus is the way through death and he made a way to forever life, we live differently. We embrace the life of God. You, you stop living as if the goal was to make it safely to death and you start truly living the life God always intended for you to live. God designed for you not just to survive, but to thrive and to flourish and to become. You're like the baby in the womb that is developing. So don't, don't be birthed through death, underdeveloped, having not lived the purposes of God for your life. No, live your life to the fullest. I don't mean living dangerously. I don't mean throwing caution to the wind. This isn't a YOLO message. This is about living for God and living in the fullness of God and living the full life that you were designed and created and conceived to live. God has conceived dreams in your heart. Now live like you're living forever. Live like you're never going to die. Live recognizing that through faith in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. You have the life of God in you. How is that possible? When you believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit, which is invisible and eternal, comes into your spirit. Remember, you're a spirit living in a body. His spirit comes into your spirit and he gives you new life and forever life. And so now you are on your way through this life and through death into eternal life. So live your life now preparing for the forever life. I wanna give you another challenge. Jesus, who, who through that earthquake made a tunnel through the tomb. Jesus, the way maker, made a way through the impossibility of death to bring us to the other side. And if Jesus, the way maker, can make a way through death, he can make a way through every impossible situation. In fact, that's what I want you to take away, right? Jesus, the way maker, makes a way through the impossible. So what impossible situation are you facing? Maybe there's the impossibility of your marriage turning around. Jesus, the way maker, can make a way through the impossibility. He can make a way through the mess of your marriage and bring about healing. He can make a way through that diagnosis to bring you to the other side. He can make a way through the, the, the tragedy in your business, the way through being laid off, being foreclosed on, being um, broken in your thinking. He can make a way through your mental illness. He can wake him, make a way through that addiction. He can bring you to the other side. If God can tunnel through the tomb and bring you through death to forever life, then what is your finances? What is that illness? What is that tragedy? What is that diagnosis? What is that crisis that you've believed is impossible? Because what was impossible for you, and I'm not saying it's not impossible. I am saying that what seems and what is impossible for us and what is impossible in the physical, God can do the impossible. And he doesn't just do the impossible. He brings us through the impossible into the possibilities of God. Would you invite the possibilities of God into your impossible situation and allow him to bring you through and make a way through to the other side? And your way through is not some spiritual practice. Your way through is not religion and it's not the church. Your way through is Jesus. Jesus, the way maker. You invite Jesus in your life and you begin to live in relationship with Jesus and you allow God's spirit to lead you through 
And when he begins to lead you through, he rewrites your story. I said, every statistic is a story and every number has a name. And for us, we believe that you are a story in the making, that God wants to turn your impossible situation into the story of how he brings his possibilities into impossible situations. But don't just stop with allowing God to do the impossible in your story. There's one more step I wanna make sure you take as we celebrate Easter. John wrote it this way. It was Easter evening. And you know where Jesus' closest friends and followers were? Jesus had risen from the dead. And here they are. Let me jump into the story. John chapter 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they were afraid that what was going to happen, what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. Jesus was resurrected. It's Easter. They should be celebrating. They should be cheering. Jesus, the way maker, had made a way through death to forever life. He had made a way through the impossible. And they're quarantining. They're huddled up in hiding. They're locked down for fear that the Jewish leaders will do to them what they did to Jesus, putting them to death. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. I love how Jesus shows up and he says to them, peace be with you. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. And for many of you right now, what you need to hear is the words of Jesus, peace be with you. You're, you're anxious, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you're feeling grief, which is totally normal and natural. It's what Nikki felt, it's what so many of us have felt through this season. And Jesus is saying, peace be with you. And I want you to receive that peace. Again, peace be with you. But Jesus doesn't just stop at transforming your story or transforming my story. He gives you a story so that you get out and you begin to share your story and you begin to invite others to experience the impossible. That's what Jesus does, right? He sends them out. Jesus invites you to go and share his way through. When there was no way, Jesus tunneled through the tomb. I don't mean he grinded his way out. I mean an earthquake shook open every grave for anyone who would receive Jesus by faith. And he made a way through death to new and forever life. And he makes a way through every impossible situation. And when you find the way through in the person of Jesus, you want to invite everyone to the way through the person of Jesus. Look, here's the thing. You and I, we're beggars who found bread. We're dead men who came to life in Jesus Christ. We're the poor who found our riches in Jesus. And when you find a way through in Jesus, you want everyone to find a way through in Jesus. Who doesn't want a way through the impossible? So tag, you're it. Invite your friends, share your story. Welcome people into the tunnel through the tomb into the way through the impossible. Share with them that there is hope in the darkness. There is healing for the sickness. There is restoration for their brokenness. There is freedom from addictions that Jesus, the way maker, makes a way through. 
You know, you know what I hear? I hear the sound of an earthquake. You know, I feel, I feel the trembling of an earthquake. God on the move, God shaking the ground, God sending the trembling to transform your life and to shake you in the spiritual realm. God is sending freedom. He is sending hope. He is sending life. And so would you respond? Would you make a commitment? Would you make a commitment to the way maker Jesus to walk in that way through, to believe it by faith, to experience it, to welcome him in into every impossible situation. And then would you go out and begin to live that and walk in that and share that hope. Make a commitment right now to be a hope carrier to welcome people into the tunnel through the tomb. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.